We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Thank you this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for another opportunity, Father God, that you seem fit, God, for us to be here. We thank you for a brand new day, God, one that we've never seen before and shall never see again, Lord. We thank you that we will take advantage of this day, God, of hearing your word, Father God, and applying it to our lives, God. Father God, I ask that you would step in, Father God, as I decrease, you increase, Father God, that your people might be blessed today, God. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. So good morning again. I'm Sister Rollins. I will be your speaker for this morning. Our subject this morning is it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Amen. And our scripture reading, our first scripture reading is going to come from Matthew 26 and 28. You can be seated because I'll be going through several different ones. So we're going to start with though Matthew 26 and 28. And the King James Version reads, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. And it washes white as snow. Amen. So sin is defined as missing the mark. And the mark is to worship God through his son, Jesus. To not recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior is sin. Sins or the other, or on the other hand, are things we do that are contrary to the word of God, such as fornication, adultery, lying, stealing, pride, arrogance, etc. So we know when we are doing something contrary to the word of God. We know when we are doing something contrary to what God upholds, what God stands for, even of the character of God. So we know when we are in sin. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to have a meeting to find out or ask somebody. We don't have to call a lifeline. None of that stuff. We already know when we are in sin, when we are walking in sin. And so we are aware of that. And so we have to be aware of the power of the blood because what the devil would have you to do or have you to think about is that, oh, I've gone too far. I'm at the point of no return. I might as well go ahead and do it. You know how when you've already fixed too much on your plate and you start to eat and you're already full and you, I might as well go on and finish that last little bit and you go ahead and finish because you've gone that far. But that's not so with God and that's not so even with sin because wherever you find yourself at and wherever you decide to turn around, God is waiting. He's waiting and he will hear your faintest cry. The blood of Jesus does not only deal with sin, but sins as well. So it may not just be one thing as we know. It is a total of all encompassing forgiveness. When a person gives their life to God, there are things that they have done or continue to do that are not in the will of God. The enemy then introduces guilt by trying to convince the person that they are, they have gone down too far or still doing what they know they should not. 
It's beyond God's forgiveness. But the Bible tells us that when we repent, all is forgiven. So again, like I said, he gets you at a place, gets you at alone and start to tell you about you've done too much. You can't think that God is going to forgive you of that. You can't think that he's going to turn his head from what you did the last time and the last time and last night. And even before you showed up in the pew on this morning, he would have you to think that God will not forgive you. But that's not so. He says once you give your life to Christ and once you repent. All is forgiven. Even those deep, dark secrets that nobody knows about, God is forgiving. All is forgiven. Everything is forgiven. And you get a brand new slate, a brand new chance. Now, God is not like man, so he doesn't give you a brand new chance and then keep reminding you of what you did. See, somebody will say, okay. I forgive you for all that you've done. I forgive you for that. And the very next time stuff starts to look a little bit shaky, their mind goes right back to what you did the last time and the last time. And so then they may not say anything, but they have that look on their face that says, "Mm, you at it again. So that's not a fresh start. But the Bible says that when God forgives, he throws it as far as the east is from the west. So there is no point in there where he reminds you of what you did. You remind you of what you did. You allow Satan to come in and to tell you that you can't be forgiven. God didn't say that. And nowhere in the word of God does it say, does it say that. It says that all is forgiven. Hebrews 12 and 24 in the New King James Version says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. And all things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become what? Brand new. Amen. Amen. So even generational curses will be broken at you coming before God, asking for forgiveness, asking him to come into your life and forgiving all. So you don't have to worry about your father's sin coming upon you. There's something called generational curses and people buy into that and they they start to say, oh, yeah, their whole family is cursed. Their oldest member is 92 and the baby is just six. And you see some behaviors in there. You say, oh, that whole family is cursed. Say the devil is a lie. It stops right here. This is where it stops. And it can stop with you. There are things that go on and on and on in families because they accept it as being a generational curse. But it comes a time when you have to say no more. Uh Uh-uh, that's enough. That's all. Cut it off. This is the end of that. I came to bring the end of that. And so when you go before God and you won't take no for an answer, when you won't say that all is not forgiven, but that all is forgiven, that makes a difference for you and for your children and your children's children. See, we probably won't leave our children a million dollars each, big fancy home and cars, but we have to leave them with Christ Jesus. We have to leave them with what's important. We spend a lifetime sometimes, well, some people do, thinking about what they're going to leave their children how much they're going to be able to leave them getting big old death policies so that they'll have enough money. And they do just like everybody else at a funeral, start to argue, fuss and complain, start to pick over everything, start to fight about what the food going to be, who going to serve the drinks, who going to speak, who going to sing all that stuff. And then when the money comes, when it's time to, to, to uh, cash in the death policy, they fighting over that, all that, all that. Nobody, you're not even in the ground yet. 
you, your body's still at the morgue. Can't decide on the coffin because somebody want this one. Somebody want that one. And ain't Sue ain't here yet. So we got to wait till she come in. Ain't seen her in years, but we waiting. We waiting. And you've been worried about all these years what you going to leave them. What you going to leave them babies. The important thing is to leave them with Christ. Christ Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Make sure they know about the Lord. That's the most valuable gift you can give them. Because I guarantee you, according to the child, according to the people, within a few days, that money's gone. It's gone. They done bought this, that, and the other. All that. And forgot about to even go put flowers on your grave. It's over. It's done. But when you leave them with Christ, it's a lifetime. When you tell them about the Lord, it lasts for a It's the gift that keeps on giving. That's what you can give to them. So, yes, leaving them with Christ Jesus, knowing that they're forgiven of their sins, that is the most important thing. Let them know that because you come to Christ, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you're imperfect and you need a Savior. You're in need of a Savior. I'm so excited on today. I got a, a text from... Uh, from a friend of mine, I'm her daughter's godmother, and she told me that she got saved this week. The little girl, 16, she walked up and got saved this week. And so I'm so excited about that. I thank God for that. I know the angels in heaven are rejoicing because she's been through some things. This little girl has been through some things. But I thank God that her mom, her dad, her, her family, and I didn't stop praying. Didn't stop putting her name up before God. Didn't stop lifting her up before God. But kept doing it. Even in spite of what she was doing, what she was saying. Kept on praying. There's power in prayer. Amen. And there's power in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're moving on. There's protection in the blood of Jesus. There's protection in the blood of of Jesus, there's protection in the blood of Jesus, and it washes white as snow. Amen, amen. Exodus 12, 7, and then 12 through 13 reads in the New International Version. It says, 7 says, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat and eat the lambs. Verse 12 says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Verse 13 says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Amen. Amen. So this is talking about the, the last plague that came upon Egypt before the people were set free. All the firstborn, both animal and human, were to die if the blood was not on the door, door post. So the blood is protection 
for us. Amen. The blood is what covers us. The blood is what caused God to pass over some houses. It said that everybody in the house was not saved, was not full of the Holy Ghost, was not fire baptized, but they were under the blood. So just like me and you, the way we act sometimes, the way we talk sometimes, we don't act like we're under the blood. We don't talk like we're under the blood, but we're under the blood of Jesus. Thank God we're under the blood, amen? And so the plague passed over. We are covered and protected by the blood of Jesus. In Exodus 12, God was about to strike the land of Egypt containing both Egyptians and Jews. Anyone occupying that piece of land was under the same judgment. The blood was the key to not being harmed. No one was spared because they were called Israelites. They were spared only by the blood. So just because you are called Christian, just because your mama is a Christian, your auntie is a Christian, your grandpa was a preacher, that doesn't matter. You have got to be under the blood. Amen. You have got to personally be under the blood. See, it's a personal walk that you have to have with God. There's a point where mama can't save you. You have to be able to pray for yourself. You can't keep calling on the preacher to pray for you. You have a mouth, you have a voice, and you can pray to God for yourself. Amen. We're praying about the protection of the blood. When our children leave our homes, we need to make sure they're covered by the blood. They're too young to understand. And so it is our duty to cover them by the blood. Speak the covering of God over their lives as they leave your car, as they get on the bus, wherever they're going. Speak the blood over their lives. We thank God for the covering of the blood. See, the blood is what washes us white as snow. My blood will stain a white garment, but God's blood will make a black garment white. Amen. Red blood can make a black garment white. I'm talking about our lies. I'm talking about our thoughts. I'm talking about our intentions being black. But because of the blood of Christ, it becomes white as snow. Amen. Oh, the blood of Jesus. There is a mystery in the blood of Jesus that cannot be understood or comprehend by darkness of Satan. He reveals it to us, though, his children. When we enter into relationship with God, the covenant with Jesus stands for us. If we invoke the mystery, number one, in the blood, then we too are protected. Even if the land we live in falls under judgment and affliction, if everything else around us is falling down, like everything in Egypt was falling down, but those that were covered by the blood, those that were protected by the blood, even in this land today, with whatever's going on, we're covered by the blood. We look around in this room even on today. COVID was real to each and every one of us that's in this room. But God says something different. Even if you got a taste of it, God still says something different because you're here. And so we give God praise and honor that, that those may die from. We stand here today victorious because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for the blood. We thank God for the protection of the blood. We thank God for him hanging on that cross and giving us another chance. See, when Jesus went to the cross, what he was doing was giving you another chance. When he stayed there, when they spit in his face, what he was doing was giving you another chance. 
when he hung on that cross and they laughed at him, he was giving you another chance. When they put a crown of thorns on his head and the blood came down, he was thinking about you because he wanted to give you another chance. See, he knew that you had racked up a bill that you could not pay. So it's like when you know when they say pay it forward when you go to the store you got all this stuff on the counter and you know you start to count in your head because you done got happy in the store and you start putting stuff up there and so you count in your head like wait a minute I'm gonna have to put something back. Jesus was there. Jesus paid the price. He knew that you had racked up a bill you couldn't pay, and you couldn't pay it even if you wanted to. You were unable to pay it because of the sins that you had committed. You were unable to pay it. God couldn't even look at you. He couldn't even look at you. And Jesus took it all. He wore it all. Every ugly thought, every ugly deed that you did, he put it on. He put it on. And when it was on that cross, that's what he was wearing. People see just the sash across his waist or even the purple robe. That wasn't what he was wearing. The physical, that's what he had on. But in the spiritual, he was wearing your sin. But the blood, the blood is what protected you. So I like a song that said, Jesus died for you even when you did not pay back to him the respect and the honor. He still protected you. Even when you were all out there loosey-goosey, God was protecting you. Even when you showed up in here, knowing that your mind was not in here, God was protecting you. Thank God for the blood, amen? We thank God for the blood, amen? There's healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. And it washes white as snow. Amen, amen. We're moving on. Isaiah 53 and 5 in the New International Version says, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Healing is not a function of your righteousness. It is a function of the blood. You are healed because Jesus gave his body for you. When you are sick, invoke the virtue in his blood. The body was broken so that yours doesn't have to be broken. Sickness can come, but stand against it and invoke the blood. Amen? Amen. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The healing power that's in the blood of Jesus. I like it earlier when it was talking about Satan does not even understand the blood of Jesus. How can the blood of one do all these things? How can it be protection? How can it heal? How can it forgive? We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to try to figure it out. We just have to bask in the glory of it. Thank God that there's healing because how many times have you gone to the doctor and you explain what's going on with you and he looking at his book saying, well, that shouldn't be happening. But you sitting there saying, but it is. Well, I've given you this, so it shouldn't still be hurting, but it is. But oh, when we pray, oh, when we go before the Father, 
All when we invoke the powerful blood of Jesus on our situation. There's healing in that blood. How many people the doctor have given up on and he's shaking his head and said, that's all we can do. And then they're walking around today. The doctors give you two more months and we're two, three, four, five years down the road. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The healing power of the blood of Jesus. When we go to God in prayer and we honestly pray to him and ask him for a healing, how he can touch us. You remember when you were in so much pain and you tried to push on. And then all of a sudden, God is so smooth. Sometimes you'll be walking and all of a sudden you forget you even had a pain. Had a headache and you're walking around and all of a sudden you're laughing and talking. And when did the headache leave? We got to go before God. We have to invoke that, that blood, the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is power in there. There's healing in there. That healing power. So we go to God earnestly praying and not just for ourselves, but for others. There are plenty of people in hospitals, in nursing homes, in mental institutions that need prayer, that we can pray for. And I hear Sister Nita say on Sundays, praying for those that are in the military. See, we're not at war right now, but there are some people in the military and there are some things that are going on. And it's not always battle. It's not always fighting. It's, it's not always that. But there are some things that are going on that people need protection from. And so when we pray for them, we don't just pray for when they are in battle, but we pray for them as things are, so to speak, going smooth, as we don't hear about it because they're always on God. They're always getting ready. When you're in the army, there's no, there's no relaxed time. But it's time to be prepared. And so with us as being in the army of God, there is no relaxed time because you are to always pray. As they say, in season and out of season, the season of war and the season of peace, you ought to always be praying. See, when we pray in the season of peace, that's what causes the season of war to go like it does because we've already been before our knees, before God praying to him thanking him even for the good times, the easy times. We're thanking him. We never stop worshiping him. We never stop praising him. And that's when in the hard times, it comes naturally. It's just like when you have that, that person that you call on when things start going bad and you say, oh, my gosh, let me call her up. Let me call her up. That's how we have to be with God. And any sign, any sign that things are going wrong, Father God, but we pray all the time. We pray all the time. God, we thank you for this time of peace. We thank you for this time of settlement in my mind, God. Thank you that my mind is at ease. You know, you can go to bed at night and not, not rest. You can sleep, but not rest. Your mind is constantly, constantly, constantly going. Thinking about all those things that you can't do anything about. All those things. Why is it that we think on those things harder than we think on the things that we can do something about? That's this flesh. That's this flesh. And we allow it to. So we're thinking about it. Thinking about people that we would want to be saved. People that we would want to do better in their lives. We have to pray. We have to call the blood of Jesus. And we have to move on. Now that's easy to do when we're talking about our friends or associates, somebody we know. But what about our family? 
We got to put them in God's hand as well. We have to pray, God, that they're covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. There's healing there. There's healing there, as I said, physically, emotionally, and mentally. Because there's a war a lot of times going on in people's minds. There's a war going on in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. There's a war going on because the devil would have you to just do whatever you want to do. What they going to do about it? What they going to do about it? But you have another to answer to. You have someone else to answer to. And so you have to be focused on that. So how would God like this? If God were in the physical standing here, would I still be doing the same thing? Would I still be thinking the same thing? You have to think about that. So we thank God for the healing in the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're sanctified in the blood of Jesus. We are sanctified in the blood of Jesus. Yes, we're sanctified in the blood of Jesus. And it washes white as snow. Hallelujah. We're sanctified in the blood of Jesus. And so Hebrews 10 and 10, New King James Version reads, By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ. Once for all, we as believers are washed, spotless, clean, and sanctified by his blood. Sanctification is a process through which something is set aside for a greater use. We are set aside for a greater use. This is not it. This is not all. God has a plan and God has a purpose for each and every person that's in within earshot of what I am saying. So whether you're in the house or whether you're at another house, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. This is not by incident nor accident that you hear this today. It was purpose that you would before you were even born, before I was even born. It was purpose that you would hear this word on today, that you would know that you're set aside for a greater use. Amen. We are set aside as an object of God's affection and jealousy. He cares about us. He cares about everything that concerns us. He is our father. He made us and he knows all about us. We are the apple of his eye. When we are sanctified, we are no longer common, but we are royalty. And as such, we gain eternal value, royalty, and divinity is at home in our bodies. So we are no longer common, amen? You're not common. And I like the analogy that's used when you go to a jewelry store, there are certain things that's just out on the counter, amen? And so you can touch it, you can handle it, you can look at it, you can put it back, you can think about it, put it back, try it on, whatever. But then there are those things that are inside the case, and there has to be at least one key to open it up, sometimes two. Valuable things, you're inside the case. Know that you're inside the case with a double lock. You're not just common. You're not just to be handled any kind of way. You are royalty. You are a, a royal priesthood. You are the apple of God's eye. He thinks so much of you. That's why he took the time to make you the way you are. 
it's not just that you are that way. Oh, you know how they are. No, God made you a certain way because he needs you in a certain realm. He needs you for a greater purpose, one that is greater than you think. You have no idea what God has planned for you. No idea the purpose that he has for you. But you can know by following him, by reading his word, by allowing him to take charge of your life. You can know the purpose that God has for you. You can know what it is that he has for you to do in this life. Take every opportunity that you have to tell someone else about Christ Jesus. Take every opportunity that you have to let the world know about a risen Savior. See, the world thinks that they have to clean up before they come to Christ. They think that they have to be ready. They have to wear a certain clothes and look a certain way before they come. We're not in here because we're perfect. We're in here because we're imperfect. We're imperfect. And we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Each and every day, we need him. Every day that he allows us to wake up, we need him. We need him for our next heartbeat. We need him for our next breath. We need him every second, every minute, every hour of the day. We need the Father, amen? We thank him for sanctifying us and filling us with his spirit, amen? Amen. There's redemption in the blood. Oh, Jesus, there's redemption in the blood of Jesus. There's redemption in the blood of Jesus. And it washes white as snow. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 in the New King James Version says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. The concept of redemption is extremely powerful. To redeem is to buy back. Paul used this terminology because it was more understood in the context of that time when slaves were bought and sold. A slave could be redeemed or bought back into the ownership of a master. When a slave committed a sin or ran away from them, his master, the punishment was death. Or the concept of self-redemption applied, whereby a slave could work towards his own redemption by paying the right of redemption to the owner. In the Christian version of redemption, we are sold on the market of sin and slavery. Satan was our master. Jesus redeemed us. He came and paid the price by giving his own blood to pay for all of our sin or sins. So if you have ever wondered about your value, your value is in the blood of Jesus. Jesus bought us with his own blood, which means that your value is the life of Jesus. And Jesus is God. That is how priceless and precious you are to him, to be bought with his very own blood. Jesus did not redeem us to remain slaves. He redeemed us that we can go free. 
When Satan owns you, you are doing his bidding. When you are bought back and your own will, you choose to serve Jesus. He gives you the freedom of will or clearance to go and to decide for yourself. The redemption of the blood grants you free will to decide who you want to serve. We aren't forced to serve Jesus. We do it because we want to lay our lives down for him. When Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed the whole world. But few are the people who will call and acknowledge and serve him. Unless a genuine choice is made to serve Jesus, darkness will rule over a person, even though everyone has been redeemed. You have a choice to make. Amen. Jesus died. Jesus gave his body. He gave his blood that the whole world would be redeemed. Bought back. Bought back from sin. But few people, as it said, will accept that calling. Few people will walk in the light. Few people will choose to serve him. But when we think about all that he has done for us, when we think about all that he has brought us through, when we think about all those things, we can't help but serve him. But give him the glory each and every day that we wake up. We thank God for what's in the blood. Amen. We thank God for all that the blood can do. When in the natural, when we buy a cleaner that can clean more than one thing, oh, we get excited. It can clean the bathtub and it can clean dishes. Woo, we going back. But Jesus' blood can do far more than that. All that you have done and thought, the blood has washed it white as snow. Amen. It's in the blood this morning. Thank God. That's what I have for you today. Give God the praise. Give him the glory. Give him the honor. It's in the blood. All that we need is in the blood. Amen. Amen.